Hey, everybody. Hope you're well. This is Matt Cruz, and I'm sitting today with Michael Previtt. Hey, everybody. This is his first time ever talking into these fancy pants podcast microphones we have. He's going to do fine. We're actually just doing a quick update to give you the 411 on a discipleship slash mission initiative we're going to give a shot in 2021 with. Uh, how about if before we hit the details, we just talk missiology for a second? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so as you know, the big why that sits beneath everything about Seven Mile Road and Melrose is this, that every Bostonian that Jesus gives us would be loved and gospeled really well. That's our huge dream. We're always saying, how is what we are doing working toward that end? But what we never, never want you to hear in that is a passive, oh, we're just sitting around waiting until people show up at a church service, and then we will love and gospel them well. There's number one, the conviction that God is at work for his glory and for the good of a lot of Bostonians to get them connected to the gospel. He's doing it, and we're getting caught up in that work. And also that we are a means of grace to them to show interest in and move toward and love and be engaged with and be a safe, open, welcoming space for them to taste and see the greatness of the gospel. This is why we don't just have four missional distinctives, gospel centrality, holiness and humility, orthodox theology, super tight community. Those are all wonderful. But there's a fifth. If we don't have a fifth, we could just get stuck doing things and just thinking about us. There's a fifth distinctive that sits under this church that we just call missional living. And the way we say it is a church that's built to have lots of meeting and loving, all set, ungospeled friends and neighbors. How do we build a culture and live lives really on the ground that do that kind of a thing? So we're always asking, what would it look like for us to remember in whatever we do, hey, if a Bostonian showed up or if a Bostonian is within arm's distance of me, how is who I am becoming and what we are doing as a church open, accessible, available to them that they might be swept into it and just feel like, oh, this was like built for me in my direction. Our church has to fit with those that we are sent to. So we wrote a whole chapter about this in our book. It's a chapter called Outsiders, and it's anchored in just a simple thought from Acts 20 that Paul says, I testify to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, meaning everybody was on my radar, whoever I could connect with. So I was just going to read two quick excerpts from the book because we wrote the thing. We might as well make use of it, right? Yeah, let's do it. The first is to hear, hey, this is what we mean by a church not just built for those of us who are already here and our children. So this is a fun paragraph. It says, hey, it doesn't say hey. It says, (laughs) when Southwest Airlines came into existence, only about 15% of the U.S. population actually flew. Air travel was too expensive and too complicated for the common man. So everyone in the airline industry was competing for a share of the insiders. 
Every marketing campaign and strategic shift was based on giving the existing pool of flyers a reason to choose their company's airline. Enter Southwest, who stood the airline industry on its head. Southwest mentality was, we're not going for the 15% of the population who already flies. We're going for the other 85% of the population that's not yet flying. When asked who their fiercest competition was, Southwest executives would not answer American or Delta, but rather the car and the bus. Their mission was to see to it that the common man and woman were finally free to fly about the country. So we're trying to build a church that feels like that. We're not just trying to get the latest Christian who happens to land just north of Boston to think our church is the best. No. We are sent to a population that's 98, 99% ungospeled, and we need to live in such a way that they have a chance Mm. to be in relationship with people who have received the grace of God. So that's just some simple missiology talk. And we're saying, hey, here's an idea of something that may not only help us come more alive to the gospel, but be an open door to folks who we really care about who may benefit from us doing this. So take a second and tell us what we're thinking about doing. Great. So what we're thinking about doing is a book club where we pick a book that has some pretty intentional themes that poke holes in the problem of secular living. So that um, God exists and we don't know him. And we take that and we push it down. We try not to believe it. And we live an all set life where we focus on our kids, our marriage, our jobs. But uh, there's some type of despair or boringness or meaningless in our life that pops up every once in a while. So there's a lot of good novels that kind of pull that out exegete what it's like to live in secular life and the problems of it. Um, So we think that we can pick a book that people would probably more likely join a book club and read a really great novel versus come and sit in our building and listen to the Bible. Um, And people around here like to read. I like to read. Matt likes to read. Um, Not everybody likes to read, so maybe we'll do something different with this down the road. Yeah. Um, but it's an opportunity for us to invite our friends, our neighbors, locals that we know who might be interested in having this conversation, or at the very least, are bored during a pandemic and would read a book with us. Yes. So it's a it's a missional bridge where we get to read something that's not the Bible, but points to the hope that we have in the gospel, and we get to bear witness to that just in conversation with them. And when you say novels, you mean we're reading fictional stories yes. that are getting at the root of what it means to be human? Yes. And a bunch of, uh, what do they call it, existential questions. Yes, 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 yeah. existential questions. Right. And the idea is not, hey, friend, come be baited and switched and read a book with me and then... Absolutely not. I uh, give you a track. Right. It is, hey, we're all in this human life together. Yes. And... We're a community that's trying to think of this and would love to invite you into this space of thinking through that with us. So some of that has to do with why you're, you're going to brand this a certain way. So you want to talk about the name and how it is built for that kind of a space invitation in there. Sure. So the name we're going to go with is liminal. So liminal is a term that's used to describe a space between two boundaries or 
a space of transition from one thing to the next. All so right. in architecture, a bridge is a good example. You don't hang out on a bridge. You just go into the space of the bridge to get from one side to the next. Right. Um, in the church, we would tend to think about this in terms of conversion. So the space that's leading up to conversion is asking questions around who am I? Yeah. Why am I here? What's my purpose for living? And what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why can't we do our ideals the way that we we put them out there, and then we have these great ideals, and then we can't live up to them? What's what's wrong with us? Um, the liminal space is a space where we can kind of leave behind where we've been come into a space where maybe we can be transformed. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Like hanging out in an elevator. Like you don't hang out in an elevator. You go into the elevator to get from one space to the next. Right. Um, but the you book, can't get there if you don't get on that elevator. That's right. Yep. So that's why we're calling it liminal. It's an opportunity for us to explore the space between the everyday living that we have yep. and what's really meaningful and significant about being a human and living life. Right. And we you know, as a church, we ha- know we have the solution in the gospel and the hope that we have in the life and death and resurrection right. of Christ. All right. So tell me, how does a book club work? How does a book or, club work? And I know you, we can define this for how we want this book club to work. So sure. this one in particular, in addition to reading the book, what else will attend the experience? Yeah. Step one, buy the book, read the book. Right. Um, and this... Oh, go ahead. We are going to put out some content. Okay. So that at this point, we're not exactly sure how it was going to look like either a podcast or some type of written analysis to help move us towards a certain framing of a discussion at the end. Um, so we're aiming for the end of January for a final discussion. You mean the content will help as you're reading, just give you handles for don't miss this, or this is the kind of thing that the, the reason that we're actually reading this book. That's right. Okay. So we would want to provide content that's not just saying, um, hey, notice this theme because this is a bait and switch, but notice this theme because this helps you understand the book. Yeah. And then that drives you to what the author is trying to get at. Right. Um, so we want you to give us your emails. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah will send out an invite in the weekly, the Friday emails. Yep. You can also just email me. And I'll add you to the subscriber list. And the idea on this is this is open, O-P-E-N, open. Yes, yes. So it's not, hey, this is an insider track that there's application for in order no. to participate. Those are fine. This is the dream is to say, hey, it's coronavirus winter. Me and some friends from Seven Mile are reading a book together. Here's what this is. Would love for you to jump in if you're interested in being a part of it. That's right. Yeah. So we would love for you to not just send me your emails, but also the emails of your friends that you've... With permission. With permission, yes, please. <laughs> right. Um, and this is a January initiative, so there'd be reading during the month. That's right. Some content to give you handles. And then on the back end of the month, whether socially distanced in our big space here or Zoom if we have to, right. pressing into, hey, what was your experience in reading that and how can we love each other in that space? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm down. Um, one of our senses of the reason the church exists is to give people a shot in that time and place to know people who love and fear God and have found his grace in the gospel. 
that into eternity they will be able to say, nah, there was a group of people who made big sacrifices so that I might have been given a chance in a, in a liminal space to hear the story of the love of God for me in Christ. Yeah. So this is just another one of those things, and we'll give it a shot. I love, so if you're a book reader, what's more fun than that? And this kind of thing also, it sounds like, could 100% work with a film. Right. And just say, if you love watching a film and thinking on it, we can potentially do that kind of thing together as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Keep your ears open for it. We'll push out some information on it. We'll pilot this in January. And uh, I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, it's going to be great. All right.